Hello filmmakers, you're very welcome to the 26th episode of F&I Rap Chat. The, uh, the episodes are really totting up there, uh, it's, I can't believe we've gotten to 26 already. Um, so thanks for everybody who's listened, subscribed, um, all the great feedback that people have been giving us. Um, on the last show we had JJ Rolf, which we got a great reaction for, um, really great conversation with the DOP of uh, Dublin Old School amongst so many other great projects. If you still haven't seen Dublin Old School, uh, at this time you can still see it. It's in a, a good few cinemas, uh, like the Lighthouse and Odeon and that around Dublin. Um, so yeah, I definitely encourage you to go see it. Uh, when we recorded the chat with JJ, uh, it had just been released the night before, so we hadn't got to see it. So I think that night I went to see it and uh, really enjoyed it, a real soft spot for it beautifully shot by JJ and as you kind of talked about in the podcast kind of a very simplistic style and not overly fancy and kind of but just following the story and really did justice to the story um so definitely check that out uh so yeah since then we've had the Galway Film Flat uh I'm sure a lot of you were there um so many great films and great to see uh, the Dig getting uh, best feature with uh, Mo Dunn for such a hardworking actor and fair play to everybody involved. Uh, I was pitching myself at the pitching competition um, and unfortunately didn't win, but there was a, a fantastic winner in Liam Beattie who was pitching his documentary, uh, Don't Forget the Dress. Uh, so well done to everyone involved there. I definitely recommend any writers uh, to look at the pitching competition, um, it's an elevator pitch. You you apply with a kind of a one pager, and then uh, you, uh, if you get shortlisted, you get to go and pitch in front of a crowd, which is a bit daunting, but it's great practice. Uh, with a, up against about nine or ten other contestants, and this year the standard was so high, and got to meet so many people, uh, and kind of practicing pitching skills and all that. It was it was brilliant. So definitely well worthwhile. I'd, I'd recommend it. So speaking of the flower, we have uh, a wonderful filmmaker called Mark Noonan on the show today. And a few years ago, he won best Irish best new Irish feature for his first feature film or yeah first feature, uh, You're Ugly Too, uh, with Aidan Gillen. And you can see, uh, you can actually watch that film on Volta.ie. Beautifully told uh, story and um, uh, a, a great one to listen to for uh, new writers and directors. Um, it gave a lot of advice about uh, kind of your using your show shorts as your calling cards and making them kind of fit with the kind of things that you like uh, and kind of being strategic about the films you make. Um, his second film, second feature, uh, The Quiet Architect, um, about Kevin Roach, is uh, beautiful. I, I particularly love this one. As a, as you know, might know, I'm a real doc nerd. Um, so we talk about that and how we went about that. So yeah, in this in this podcast, we talk about a lot of things: uh, architecture, laser DVD, uh, The Matrix, uh, and a lot of a lot of uh, great advice in there. So, uh, yeah, uh, as always, if you want to, to help support the show, uh, FNI is on the uh, Buy Me A Coffee website, which is similar to Patreon. Um, so if you just go to buymeacoffee.com uh, forward slash FNI, uh, you can just throw us a few euro. If you're finding the podcast and the other things that the guys at FNI do uh, useful, um, you can help support it that way. So, yeah, this is Mark Noonan. 
so yeah, we're here in the studio with Mark Noonan. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, another sweltering day here today in the studio. Uh, we had to turn our fan off. Uh, Welcome to F and I Sweatbox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to uh, be tasty. <laughs> And not, and not in a counterculture, urban kind of Uber underground kind of way. It's in a you know sweaty, you know filmy. Yeah, yeah you don't want to be here, no. but you do as well. Do you want to Hello, listen? yeah. Uh, <laughs> so how are you getting on at the moment? Are you wh- what mode are you in here? In writing mode? Or? I'm in, I suppose, what lots of filmmakers are in, like intense development mode. So you're there's I'm kind of attached to lots of things, but right. nothing ready to go right away. So right. it's this. Had a couple of projects fall through last year, and then I remember asking um, this Danish director for advice about what do you do when you have like two projects, you know, fall apart. Or, yeah. And this Danish director who I cannot name was like, "Oh, do what I did, marry a millionaire, and like <laughs> support yourself in this. Uh, <laughs> use your spouse to basically um, lead you off while you put together the pieces of your filmmaking." <laughs> How's that working? So, out? <laughs> so I'm like trolling you. Know? Yeah. Those websites for high net worth individual. No, not really. But um, so at the moment, yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing a lot of rewriting actually. Okay. So I'm kind of lucky enough to have some. Uh, I get contacts for rewrite jobs. Okay. Um, which and also I'm kind of in between projects, and I'd work on um, the production side of TV series and movies. So yeah, I guess a lot of us, um, you guys might be the same in terms of. Filmmaking alone sometimes isn't enough, so there's yeah. like other avenues. Mm. Diversify to survive. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And then like hopefully nothing. Hopefully you can kind of take meetings, you know, while you're working or in development, mm. um, and still kind of like keep pushing your projects. And which um, came first for you in terms of? Because I know you've done a lot of production work. Was it always a means to an end for directing, or did you kind of say, "Oh, I'd like to maybe from from being on set"? Is it that you wanted to be a director then after that or how, how did it work um, it's kind of a bit of both actually I think you know my first job in film was with Venom Ken and Andrew Ken Wardrop and Andrew Friedman and that was in the production side of things Yeah. and then they helped me get my first short film off the ground and then as soon as I started directing that was very appealing of course because yeah. everyone likes the power you know even, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even the most humblest of directors all <laughs> Are all power hungry, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then of course, while you're kind of trying to build your short films or build your features, it um, can be quite humbling. Then the other side of that, isn't it? It can. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was one of the best things I ever did. Was while I was trying to get your know, two off the ground, was like spent you know a year and a half like getting coffee for actors and wow. uh, photocopying scripts yeah, and yeah. like. Yeah driving stuntmen around and picking up camera equipment and you know you very like quickly lose all sense of uh, <laughs> the ego I think yeah. which is really really good um, yeah. but then it's also good for kind of contacts you know um, in terms of meeting showrunners meeting actors mm. uh, meeting producers as well yeah yeah. Um, so it's quite it's also quite nice because I'm like you know mostly a writer mm. I guess um, you're alone like in an you know environment you know not unlike this <laughs> where you're kind of cut off from the world and it's you and the computer and like sending the clowns yeah yeah so it is nice to have that kind of production you go on set for yeah. six weeks for eight weeks yeah um, you get kind of a taste of what's actually what filmmaking is actually about because sometimes mm. it is easy to forget oh i'm a filmmaker but i haven't made a film in like a year yeah. or like yeah. 18 months or so it is great to get excited about the process again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you excited at the moment? 
Yeah, yeah, because we had a, um, had a kind of a chat with Ben Wheatley recently. Yeah, Jesus, okay. Screen Directors Guild of Ireland, um, who were great. Who you know we at our annual kind of like meeting or whatever they mm. always bring in like a really interesting director. So mm-hmm. Ben was in last week, and so you get to kind of quiz him and hear him talk about you know the obstacles he's gone through. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so like it isn't like generally uh, kind of a straight line to success. There's these ups and downs, and Ben was just kind of very. Um, very clear about like you know not waiting around for permission mm-hmm. and also like you know sometimes yeah, <laughs> sometimes his way of dealing with notes is I can't really go into too much detail because it's all quite like we were told this is off the record <laughs> but, <laughs> well, it wouldn't be if you said it here <laughs> yeah so um, but he was very inspiring in terms of he's got his kind of vision and he sticks to it mm-hmm. and it's kind of great to remember like in this age of normally film takes so many different partners so you have like actors will like, give you notes, producers will give you notes, distributors will give you notes. Mm. Um, the like cleaner will give you notes, like, <laughs> you right, know, yeah, like yeah. and yeah. you really have to like try filter all these through. Actually, you know, no, like I'm actually the one who's like seen this film in my head, and yeah. like you know, um, I'm the one who kind of believes this is the film that I really I'm really passionate about, and yeah. like we'll find an audience. And will kind of be seen, you know, in festivals and in cinemas. Mm. He must really like Ireland because he, uh, six, seven months ago he was given a uh, chat in Trinity, for, I think, for the Film Society there, and I was there. And one thing, he, he was v- just really, really, really approachable and really mm-hmm. nice, and he spoke to everybody afterwards, you know, and these yeah. are all students. Um, but one thing that he said that stuck with me was um, make your own project, even within your own company. If someone is trying to disa- dissuade you from doing that project, mm. it's your project. You live and die by it, and you yeah. have to follow through on your own vision, yeah. or you're, you know, you're done. And he's he's kind of interesting as well because his films are so diverse, mm. and yeah. they're, they're all like, I guess they're all kind of unique in many ways. You know, they are. He's established his own brand along with his partner Amy Jump, and um, I really enjoyed. I mean, I was able to tell him like uh, very honestly that like you know Free Fire, his most recent film. I think it's the most recent, yeah. Like, yeah. it was my favorite of his. Really? Everyone wants to hear, you know, you want to hear yeah, yeah. the films are getting better. And yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, he was like, God, thank God I'm someone who's not like talking about Kill Rick again or like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I don't know, like, that was, that, that of course had its own yeah. um, challenges and problems. But, but you, yeah, were, you, were, you were a fan beforehand as well? I was, yeah. yeah I was. He's, I mean, he's quite prolific. Like, he's. Because this is the other thing we're all trying to like figure out, yeah, like, everyone. Yeah. Everyone who's in the industry is like, how do you get to be that prolific? Yeah, how do you close that gap in between mm. which is not two or three yeah. years? Yeah, yeah, it's difficult. And you, you kind of touched on there, notes. So you are kind of a writer, director, so you're getting notes on drafts and then you're getting notes as a director. So like, how, how, what's your kind of rule of kind of how you deal with notes and how you work with them? Ignore them. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bin and I just ben throw them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then back to what I want to do. Uh, no, I, I guess you have to really like see if someone's giving you a note. Normally, there's a reason. So like normally, if something is not clear. Mm-hmm. So if something is like not legible on the page, then it's ca- it's actually some notes can be really great because you're so inside the script that when you turn it over to someone else, there is like stuff that's you know completely not clear to them. But yeah. in your head, you've seen it play out, and that kind of little emotional beat that's. In your head, it's just not on the page. Mm. Um, so it's really like helping in that respect. And then I think it, the thing to remind yourself is that you have to get very good at dealing with criticism. Um, like I always, any actor I meet, 
Uh, I always love to hear like how many auditions they've done and how many auditions, <laughs> successful auditions they've kind of got. Because right. There's obviously a huge like failure rate, if you want to call it, but rejection rate. And then, like, I mean, I've, I've told actors then that, like, actually, directors, we audition as well. Like, directors, I've auditioned, like, you know, for so many jobs. Like, so many <laughs> jobs. You go in yeah. and you're, like, in a similar way to an actress, I've auditioned actors as well. But, you know, you're, um, I guess, put through your paces and you're given, like, you know, you give your best idea of what the project would be. And then they'll, you know, go with someone else. And they're like, okay, you have to <laughs> respect that decision. Yeah. And, like, you disagree with it, but you have to, like, okay, it's another rejection. You know, that's another, like, reason to... <laughs> Yeah, it's like not well, not get a chip on your shoulder, but it's actually you kind of have to use that, I think, in, in a similar way that actors. I yeah, you have to find the fuel within that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and it's not like easy, but I think if you're in this business, yeah, it's like a real tool you have to have. Yeah. Do you give a shit about what people think about your work? Um. Yeah, I mean, like there will be filmmakers who tell you they don't read the reviews and like. They're like all liars because everyone <laughs> like read all the reviews, and you even like <laughs> yeah no like I I've read reviews in German and stuff like you know you don't Google translate what the shit I mean yeah like oh wow funny enough they're always the best reviews actually the reviews you have to Google translate right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever reason it is so no of course you care um, because. I think, you know, when you're given a certain amount of money, I mean, I have never been given a huge amount of money to make films, so I don't feel, like, I guess, huge amount of responsibility to, uh, like, to open my movie in a thousand cinemas in America, because I don't have to make back that much money, you know, yeah. I do, like, you know, you yeah. want people to, like, to see your film, and, like, it was amazing, like, for Your Ugly 2, like, I was, it blew my mind that they opened it in 50 cinemas in Germany, I was like, that's like, oh, that's it opened in like five in Ireland, and I was like, oh, five was okay, like, but yeah. 50, I was like, those Germans, like... <laughs> and was it a co-production? No, 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 it was just because it, I think, premiered in Berlin. Okay. And it was, um, they kind of, they, the distri distribution company who bought it would program kind of Charismaki and Jim Jarmusch, okay. and they're guys that I really loved. Yeah. And it was like, I think they saw like something in it that would appeal to like a German audience. And, okay. You know, like it wasn't a huge smash in Germany by any means, but like they made their money back and yeah. they still have a relationship. Well, that's what you want, isn't it? Yeah, More than anything I'm always else. like 50 cinemas. In <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is wonderful. Yeah, and for Kevin Roach, it was the same thing. Like in, <laughs> in Germany, he went, it was in 12 cinemas in Germany. And for a but, documentary. But for a documentary with architecture. <laughs> and then, of course, in Ireland, like I think it was in the IFI only, but yeah. you know, it, it, I think because. I seem to have like we all I should see ourselves as like European filmmakers yeah. you know it is nice that you're that you have an audience out there yeah, yeah. that's not, the most I'm important making, thing yeah like I'm not making the films for my family like I have a big yeah. family and they all like watch my films I hope but like <laughs> different yeah. okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. <laughs> and in terms of you know getting your next project being able to say 50 cinemas in Germany that must be huge yeah, no, it helps. It helps get get you in the room. Mm. You know, it definitely helps get you in the room. Mm. Um, or yeah. into Babelsberg. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but uh, it's always going to be... Ch I think every project is challenging. You know, that's what I'm kind yeah. of right now. It's like, actually, even if you made one film or two films or yeah. you made no films, it is... The cinema landscape is becoming more and more challenging just for people like me who make, like, say, drama or documentary. You know, you're not... I'm not working at the, like... You know, I'd never ruled it out, but I haven't made a horror film. Or right. I haven't made, um, you know, like a very broad comedy. Or mm. And mm. unfortunately, like, because Netflix are picking up that kind of product, yeah, I, you're feeling under pressure, like, you yeah. know. It's, it's a harder like, sell. Dramas are harder sell. Dramas sells. are harder sell. And there's just so have, much more of them. Like, yeah. So much more of them. And unless you have, you know, Killian Murphy mm. or Pierce Brosnan or, you know, something in it to punch, punch above 
all the other dramas. Yeah. People, you can see their eyes glazing over, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. oh, a drama. Yeah. Um, but it's Whereas great. I see the drama's yeah. a bad thing. I mean, I no, just, yeah, it, it's yeah. my favourite genre. Yeah. I love getting sucked in. You but know? with genre stuff like horror and that, they don't care who's in it. Mm. So you can have films that will do well in America. They will like, sell, you know, yeah. 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 And yeah. Like, I mean, I mean like, horrors are so good. Like, a good horror is like so hard to make as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like one day would love to make a horror, but it's just for my headspace now, it's like I just don't watch a lot of horrors. So you're always like, yeah. You know, you kind of, I guess, produce what you're interested in or what you think you'd like to see. You know, yeah. I'm very much yeah. making the films for myself and hoping there's like a yeah, million as long as I like it. Yeah. 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 Can I ask you about bring it right back? If just pop you up on on the old therapist's uh, chair there, or couch or chaise long. Um, film. Why film? Uh, at what point did it enter your life or your most tangible recollection of? it making a, a considerable impact on you as a young person? It was definitely in 1999. Okay. Because uh, I was, I would have been 17 and like not exposed to a huge amount of film in Offaly, mm-hmm. just like the blockbusters. But then 1990s, like uh, just an amazing group of films came out that were, they were American films mostly, but there was stuff like The Virgin Suicides, mm-hmm. Magnolia, Being John Malkovich. I thought you were going to open with the, with the Matrix there for a second. The Matrix is <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Matrix them, yeah. Because I remember seeing that in cinema and going like, I never knew about this. This is not like, it's not Star Wars. And yeah. so, like there was a Star Wars at that year as well, which was terrible. Yeah, yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. This is interesting. This was really, as a 17 yeah. year old, I was watching that and going like, yeah. my mind is blown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it was a great year yeah. for, for movies. Year. Like, then there was like stuff like the Sixth Sense, so like smart kind of studio mm. pictures. Yeah, and Wonder, Wonder Boys was around then as well, I think, which I really loved. Wonder yeah. Boys was, I think, the next year, but it was yeah, yeah. that kind of like, yeah. there was just like films. And people out. were talking about smaller films, like, you know, that were making an impact. But yeah, like, yeah. They were in the zeitgeist of, you know, not just film people. Everyone was talking about these kind of weird indie films. They were, and they yeah. were, a lot of them were made by, you know, David O. Russell made The Three Kings. You know, a lot mm. of these people were given money by studios, like indie filmmakers. Mm. And you could kind of just tell, I just, could feel something different mm-hmm. and then that led me kind of into European cinema so I started watching like a lot of cinema while I was in university mm-hmm. so I studied architecture but I was like obsessed with films from this living in laser yeah yeah well I, well, I worked in laser I worked <laughs> did in you? laser yeah, did yeah. You? Was, I worked in laser like took a year from college went to work in laser and, yeah like, I loved laser it was bring back laser yeah it's really sad now. Was laser was on because I didn't go to college in Dublin. Laser was there was a couple of there was one on uh, George Street and then yeah. one on Ranella. Ranella. It was yeah. oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was amazing. I lived in there and it yeah. was like an art DVD place. Like it was a little bit of everything. Or a bit of everything. A bit of everything. Yeah. Like I mean, they would have like the big. They would have to. We would have to stock like the blockbusters but only one right. or two copies, and then yeah. you'd have like one or two copies of the latest like Dardenne Brothers or yeah, um, like you know the latest one from Mozambique. Like just the yeah, reach yeah. was just yeah. incredible. And people will come in to you looking for rec- recommendations. Yeah, like yeah. I was banned from giving recommendations now because like <laughs> <laughs> I had some upset customers coming back. I can't remember what the films were, but I might have recommended like Belatar or something. Right. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, there's this great film called the Serbian film you might like. Yeah, yeah. Because people coming in like they were looking for something different, but not mm, that. that different. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was oh. just great, kind of like because I didn't go to film school, so I didn't have that. Was like my film school. Okay. And you see, you're just like soaking and watching as much interesting film as you can. Yeah. Watching a lot of the Irish film, um, and just kind of like thinking about it. So I wasn't like really making stuff, but it was just yeah. like um, absorbing. Yeah. And like taking home ten DVDs, like and not you know you could take home unlimited DVDs. Yeah. Wow. There it was like incredible. Um, yeah, I think there was a deal we could take five home over two days. Mm. I used to love that. Yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I credit that a bit. Um, and then when was it like the moment where you was like, okay, I'm gonna actually work in this? As soon as I graduated, right? Like as soon as I graduated, I sat down for like a week, wrote a short film, and just sent my CV out to production companies, like every film production company in Ireland. Yeah, like that summer I graduated. And, and what was the degree? Was it English or architecture? Ar- oh, so really? Like architecture degree, but I was like so done with this. Like, right. is there, from your perspective, a correlation between architecture and, I suppose, uh, and filmmaking? Far, f- far from the fact that you made a film about architecture, <laughs> obviously. But like, there do, do like you see direct correlation? Some, I mean, there's like, um, there's the visual aspect of it, of course. Like, imagine the space. I mean, the the biggest thing I got from it was really kind of a work ethic. Mm-hmm. Like you're just like as studying architecture or like working architecture is this like insane work ethic. So you do need to be working like sixty hours a week, seventy hours a week. Um, and there's also kind of the collaborative effort aspect of it as well. Mm-hmm. So as an architect, you're always like collaborating with the builders, with electricians. It's very like it's not dissimilar actually yeah, in many ways. Similar disciplines, I yeah, guess. Yeah, similar disciplines. There's obviously the creative aspect of it. So it's like a good kind of like grounding in the creative arts as well because you learn about the history of architecture you mm. learn about mathematics you know physics um, literature you know so kind of quite useful but yeah. I was like as soon as I graduated I was like very ready to There's more at stake see ya the worst yeah. thing can happen <laughs> someone doesn't like your film but they won't die if you make a mistake and so I was, I was very lucky then that Andrew Friedman had wanted to study architecture and just like saw my CV that I graduated in architecture and was like intrigued I think why is this <laughs> why is this guy leaving architecture and going straight into film let's like swap information it? yeah so I just met with him and they took me on as a production assistant cool. and then helped me with my first film and then from kind of that period on I've always kind of like dabbled a little bit in architecture to pay the bills sometimes Okay. like not in a long time now but yeah. at the beginning before like the the first property bubble <laughs> right <laughs> But from then on, it's been a case of um, like trying to get stuff made, yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to get on set yeah. as possible, trying to meet actors, just talk to actors. Um, I've been to like Bow Street as well. I like to talk to those guys, okay. to Shimmy, um, and try keep making stuff, keep getting excited about it, and like surrounding yourself with kind of like-minded individuals who are excited about making films as well. Yeah, um, which yeah. sounds easy, but it's not yeah. as easy as it seems. No, and networking you, is hard. Yeah. Like you've done this log like you made a lot of successful shorts uh, and then managed to make that that thing that we're all trying to do to break through to the um, to the features what was it about your shorts and if you want to give us just like just a little bit of uh, a few tips on kind of how you pitched the shorts and then uh, how you kind of made that bridge then to go to your ugly too I guess yeah my short film career is I made two shorts and neither of them were funded so there was very little pitching involved. It was m- more, I guess, I spent a lot of time on the script. Yeah. And like only really kind of obviously released it when I was super happy with it. And because they were not funded by anyone, I had, did have control mm. over, you know, casting and the final product, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, but I guess the one thing I took from the shorts was that because I was um, I was working as well with Italian filmmakers at the time, as like a filmmaking kind of assistant, so working with young people was something I was very passionate about. And like those guys really encouraged me to kind of like um, to make that my niche in terms of my shorts. Um, and I found out that I engaged with them and loved writing dialogue for them as well. Um, and the biggest thing I think I got then when pitching my feature was that there was a very clear through line. So you could like watch one of my shorts and see that I enjoy like humor, 
um, or comedic drama and often it takes place in the world of like young people who are like facing challenges um, and so like the biggest thing that if people ask me about how you make the jump from shorts to features and there is no one way of course but it, you do have to be like a little bit smart about okay you're giving someone a feature script and the first thing they're going to do is like look at your shorts so if your shorts are you know about serial killer clowns and mm. you want to make a Manchester by the Sea emotional drama mm. then that through line is not going to be there and yeah. it's going to be a much harder pitch okay. so there isn't you know you just need to like like probably the one of the best things you can do and it's becoming more common now is you know you use your shorts as almost promos and in, in mm. effect they were for me mm. in fact like you know you could watch like a minute or two of my shorts and kind of get okay the guy is like in, interested in these like little moments like they're yeah. quite slice of life observational yeah. like no killer clowns yeah, yeah. genre very yeah, yeah. performance based <coughs> quite subtle um, and then I think as soon as you read Your Ugly 2 like when the film board wouldn't keep Potter read that and like I'd see my work he, there was a clear link and it's kind of going, okay this is like yeah. he can pull this off pull this off yeah especially mm, yeah. if you had like I had attached Aiden so I was like okay it's like not much of a risk for like a hundred grand you know it's right. like yeah, it yeah. all makes sense and it was designed as well actually you know, because my shorts were no budget, I was very clear, okay, I'm not going to rely on public funding, so let's, I'll write it for, you know, I can make this up myself for 10 grand. Right. So it's, it was it was clearly designed, you know, mostly takes place in a caravan or in a caravan park. Yeah. Mostly two people talking, three people talking. Yeah. So you can design your films to operate at a very low budget level, um, mm. if you like. And then if you get public funding, which, which we did for that, if you're lucky enough um, for the film board to support us with that, then it just takes it up to another level. So yeah. then you can kind of go, oh, so now we can pay the editor. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. the what? Yeah. We can give the actors a hundred bucks, you know, yeah, like yeah. this, you know, Aiden was prepared to work for free, but you know, he's like, you yeah. have to give him a hundred bucks a day like everyone else, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I feel uh, almost like a real film. It's <laughs> lovely. Can I ask you how Aiden became attached to the project? Yeah, it was, it's one of those things as well that, um, it's very fortuitous so like a lot of luck when I look back at my career or uh, the last couple of years of my career you know it's about being at the right place at the right time so the flat <laughs> <laughs> that's funny actually you say that but yeah. not actually the flat it's, um, it's literally just realising that I was friends with his brother but didn't know he was Aiden's brother oh because of this, yeah, different surnames different surname, yeah, yeah. yeah it's Morphe isn't it his real yeah, surname so literally I was like um, it was actually so I, I did a masters a one year masters in film and TV in DCU, right? Um, kind of. So as I was, I was uh, working with young people, young filmmakers in Thailand. I said I would get a you know a degree as well in film. So I'm not some crazy architect who thinks he can make films. <laughs> and then um, Dennis, Aid's brother, was on this course, and we were just you know becoming friendly and similar taste in film, and we were making a short together, and literally just found out that he was Aid's brother, and I was like, oh wow, that's kind of interesting. As in, if I had a feature, I could you know get it to him like literally like give him mm. give him a suit because I met Aiden then like when we were out with uh, with Dennis and stuff um, then and the next day 11.59 bing the typewriter comes out kind of not far <laughs> off it like yeah, it was my, it might have been a year or two I think, yeah, I think yeah, it might yeah, have yeah. been a year or two and yeah. it was um, I'd seen like one of Aiden's films uh, I'm trying to remember now I can't remember the name it was terrible but I'd seen a film of his um, and really liked um, the mixture of comedy and darkness he had in it. Mm-hmm. Was it the one where he's homeless? Yeah. Really oh, I know the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't it. think of the name either. either. But it's um, with Jamie. No, Trace, go- no googling now. No cheating. <laughs> it's re- it's really it's great. I saw I was at the premiere of that and really loved the style of the director, who Aiden works with a lot, Jamie Trace, mm. and 
I was just like talking to his mom afterwards and his mom was like, oh, he'd love to see Aiden make more, a little bit lighter stuff, but he's not like a, such a bad guy. Right. And so then I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to write something where he gets yeah. to be a little bit more playful, yeah. uh, where he can still like bring a little bit of darkness to it, but mm-hmm. also where he can like maybe spend time with like a kid as well because mm. he, I hadn't seen him like on screen with a kid and um, that was one of the things he really responded to when he read the script. He was like, he would like to, because he has two kids and right. like obviously likes kids and would yeah. like to, likes that process of when you're acting with a kid, it doesn't feel like you're acting because mm. the kid, child actors are very instinctive. You know, yeah. often they don't have that much training. They're really just so fresh. Um, and so, yeah, no, I went away for a year, wrote the script, emailed it to him and like an hour and a half later, yeah, he emailed back and said he was in. And I was like, oh, wow, that was oh, that's great. And for anyone who hasn't, Gotten to see the film yet? Uh, could you just give us like a, a two line, two line yeah, yeah. It's called You're Ugly Two, and not a sequel to a film called You're Ugly. Just in case anyone, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like, I yeah. as in T T O O. I often thought we did think about retitling it, but we could not come up with a better title. Actually, really? we spent okay. all through the edits trying to come up with a better. Yeah. Title. No, it makes oh, perfect. Like, haven't seen it. It makes perfect sense. It's quite um, sweet. But it's about Aidan Gillan plays a convict who's released on compassionate leave to take care of his young niece 12 year old girl called Stacy and he takes her to the family caravan in the Midlands yeah. um, so it becomes about these two quite damaged people trying to pick up the pieces of their life in the beautiful surrounds of Offaly <laughs> great and uh, <laughs> tell us just a bit about the casting of the girl she's, yeah. she's amazing yeah no she was great Erica Erica Sant is her name and it was I've written a Belgian character in there for some reason. I kind of just like the idea of a. I like yeah. the idea of a Belgian, you know, woman, a strand, and awfully. And it was at that time as well, like when I was writing this, 2012, 2013. Did you like the idea of Belgian funding? Is that why? No, no. Like <laughs> I probably should have, but it, w- it was really just about kind of like breaking up the just seeing Irish people. On yeah, screen. yeah, it was yeah. Like okay, let's get you know. You wanted to make a truly European film as well. Yeah, yeah. get a little bit because even in like where I'm from in Burr, which is a small town in Offaly, there's like. It's quite diverse. Like there's just people. I everywhere. love Burr. Yeah, I, yeah, I go down to the festival. Yeah, yeah. Been down. Oh yeah, because the golf line. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but and she actually came about. Her casting came about because uh, my producer is Savage Productions. John Kevill and Conor Barry um, were had some Belgian funding for their next film, Pilgrimage, which uh, the producer on that Belgian producer on that read the script and he was like, just oh, if you're looking for a Belgian actress. I know this great Belgian actress who's a theatre actress and you should meet her. She's great. Cool. So I watched her shorts, uh, went over to Brussels to have a cup of coffee with her and just cast her. Yeah. She's yeah. seen her work, met her, she loved the script, had yeah. really good thoughts and like cast her instantaneously. Um, and that was kind of, yeah, it's very helpful to have actually that we didn't get any money from Belgium but just to have a Belgian producer even like read the script and mm-hmm. go, oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can cast for that. Um, and for the daughter, for the kid, was that... Uh, were you nervous about working with kids at all, or uh, not really? Because I'd kind of done my, I'd made two shorts yeah. before with kids, yeah. um, and I'd worked with some very good, um, very good drama schools in Dublin. Mm. So like Mary Murray has one, yeah. Jacob Barr and Maureen Ward as Wonderful well. Wonderful actor, Mary. Kids, mm. Yeah, and basically we just um, went to went to Mary Murray and said like, yeah. who's you? You know, have you got any good kids? Like, got any really yeah. good kids? And she was like, come in, sit in the class. Because um, she's really great about getting directors in to watch the kids doing their improvs, and the kids are like not put off or not overwhelmed by directors coming mm-hmm. in. They're like super kind of calm about it, and they like are so professional. Mary has them like really well, really well schooled. Um, and she, Lauren, came out of that kind of very quickly. With like we put her on tape yeah. a couple of times, but yeah, 
Um, everyone was like, "Yeah, that's kid." Like there was, yeah, yeah. It was quite a short. Like we probably saw sixty kids or something. Yeah, like which is not that many. But when you know, like we were like, you just know. Yeah. You, you knew immediately. Know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we knew immediately, and then we talked like I discussed it with Aiden, and we were like, "There's gonna be no rehearsal for this. They're gonna meet like on the first day." Right. This is the thing I was a little bit worried about actually. So there was no kind of like, "Oh, she's too ginger" scenarios or <laughs> ridiculous kind of like, "Oh, she's a quarter of a centimeter too short," or you know, it's just it is what it is. No, just magic a moment of magic I yeah guess. it was like she just yeah. had a relationship with the camera and mm. with like um, how did you test her with with him or did no, they no, read just, or anything just tested her kind of on tape i think i was reading the lines put her on tape um she's it, like, experienced those because i write for fair city and she was on she it had, for a good while yeah like she'd done stuff but she'd done roy maybe a little bit mm. um so she definitely she was one of the more experienced crew members, actually, funny enough, you know, like, yeah. she was, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. on lads, slump. She had credits, yeah, and she, like, always knew her lines, like, the right. words, you know, she was definitely... Why, definitely who like, didn't know their lines? Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds bad now that I say it. Everybody else, no, yeah. I'm kidding. Everyone, everyone knows their lines, everyone, like, the, uh, yeah. any actor I've worked with have to say they're pretty, like... Pretty professional, but well, a lot of actors like to ad lib and improvise around scenes yeah, we did, as well, we which is fine too. Yeah, and yeah, no, we had a bit of that as well, which is kind of exciting. It is exciting to cut the cut the script free of the actors, mm. like um, mm. for at least a couple of takes. I find that anyway, and actually, yeah, Aiden in particular was very good at that, and he's worked, I think, in that role before. So, and uh, how was post production for you in terms of going from doing shorts to that length? Mm. How, how was that kind of? adapt to it's kind of exciting I think you you do realise how tough it is to make a good short film like mm. making a feature because just having that luxury of you have like 80 or 90 minutes to play with right. in a feature I just found like immediately for the how I write and how I work like oh this is like you know <laughs> I found it much more conducive to my sensibilities I have to say really? and I really love like the edit I have to yeah. say. whereas in my yeah. shorts I'd edit them myself yeah. and I think it is tough to be writing, directing, and editing. Like I take my hat off to anyone who can do it. Like yeah. I think like Sean Baker might be the only filmmaker that I know does it to a consistently high level. Right. Sean yeah. Baker manages to do yeah. that, and I'm not sure how he does. But I think for me, it was great to have like Colin Campbell come in and yeah. fresh eyes, and like to watch it with someone else, <laughs> and just not not have that like thing of a short film where you're like, oh, we can't go over like ten minutes because yeah. like no one will program no it if it's over ten yeah, minutes. Yeah. Or was it was it exciting for you, like the the notion of having this big beast or jigsaw puzzle to assemble? Yeah, it was, especially with your background as well, but in architecture, the idea of assembling something. It really was. Um, I have to say, like the also the other really important aspect of it for me, and this is something I say to filmmakers, anyone making a feature, is that we didn't put a deadline on ourselves, and the producers didn't say you need to get this ready for Sundance or you need to get this ready for. Berlin and the film board didn't have a, mm. you know, there was no time okay. pressure. So okay. we were able to like go into the edit, do like nine weeks, get a really good first cut together and then kind of take a break. And then I went off to New York and to film a week for Kevin Roach, The Quiet Architect. And so oh, we they were that close together. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were kind of shooting it almost simultaneously. Yeah. Um, but it was great to have that kind of like long edit. It yeah. wasn't even that long in the end. In the end, we probably edited for 12 weeks, but yeah. we had a break. You know, we were able to like, okay, we've taken it as far as we can now. Yeah. Let's step back. We yeah. showed to a few people. Yeah. And then myself and Colin were able to kind of come back and go, okay, this isn't working, this isn't working, make this better, we can make Did this better. Did you test it in any way, just in-house? Or? Uh, yeah, we, we kind of sent it to people we trust. Mm -hmm. We sent it to people like in the business and outside the business. Mm -hmm. um, we 
we didn't have like those test screenings. We just didn't have the budget to be hiring cinemas, but it was more mm. like you know Vimeo test screenings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I did yeah, get yeah. a sense then of okay, someone feels this way, and that other person feels the same way, and then the third person feels the same way. So maybe there is something. Um, but then also it's like well, you have to be very careful again about it's like notes. You know, you just have to be yeah. careful about like yeah. maybe. You know, maybe if you don't like it, it might not be designed for you. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like not yeah. everyone's gonna like all your work all the time, and yeah. we're not all making like the Avengers. You yeah. know, that has <laughs> yeah, to yeah. gross a billion or whatever. Like you, yeah, trying to make good work that you know is about something and speaks to yeah, you know, enough of an audience to allow you to make more work. You just touched on something there is interesting. Um, do you think like with shorts and features, like we're all more naturally versed in features and and the language and the the structures of features. Uh, whereas we don't really grow up watching shorts, so do you think there's like in a way it's a it's a it was more of a natural fit for you to make a feature? Maybe yeah, it's a good question. Um, like it's an interesting thought actually because definitely definitely you know general public don't watch a lot of shorts. It's really only filmmakers mm. or people in the film industry. Yeah. Um, and it is tough. Like I find it tough to find a very good short because mm. often they're trying to like. I feel like they're overreaching or they don't have the time to actually settle with characters yeah. and to provide, to give you an interesting viewpoint in yeah. like seven or eight minutes or ten minutes. You know, I just don't think, and I even think my shorts now, I look back at them and I had to watch them recently and just, it's really tough for me to watch because <laughs> like, yeah. I, I feel like both of them are like clearly features like that, you know, right. it just isn't that like yeah. time to like spend with the characters and like get to know them a little bit and like, you know where not a lot happens maybe but like you're you really like listening to these people or like enjoying the world um to to young filmmakers would you just in terms of shorts because a lot of particularly a lot of people that would listen to this would be at that kind of point where they're you know kind of starting out on their own road and their own journey do you believe it's important in terms of a short in terms of a narrative or an individual story for it to be an open-ended calling card where you don't have to resolve everything and like the you know because like you said, just what you've said now in terms of it trying to resolve a three-act structure feature into a short film and it's just a mess, or to make something which is a little bit more open-ended, ambiguous, or just touching on a theme with something interesting that gives people questions, or, you know, trying to make The Godfather 6. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion, you know, it's probably like the subject of a whole new podcast, actually, you know, mm. like just even mm. that like jump from shorts to features, but um, I, I don't think there's any one way to do it, but I do think that you know as a filmmaker like someone like Kathy Brady for instance who's made these wonderful shorts oh she's great yeah. Kathy's so like one of my favourite filmmakers and you can tell by her shorts even though that she's a way of working and subject matter that interests her and the end product then is of a very high standard mm. and emblematic of what she's all about so I do think that's yeah. it's very useful you know if you look at like someone like Kathy or even Ethan McCardle's work as well. If you look at her kind of music video work or her short work, um, I think like focus on the things you're good at. And so Eva is good at you know one thing, and Kathy's strengths are maybe in something else. But they're two filmmakers like working kind of at the top of their game, I would say, and making work that stands above the parapet. Let's say you, know, mm -hmm. you can clearly see okay, like Kathy with her performances. You know, they're so visible. Yeah, morning. You know. If you ever see morning. Oh so. Jesus! Amazing, yes, Johnny Harris. Johnny Harris and um, uh, Eileen Walsh. Yeah, Incredible. Yeah, amazing. Like as I saw it recently, I was like, wow! Like this is yeah. like just two people talking in a room. It was like 
attention. Attention is unbelievable. And then the guitarist at the end. And it's oh. like, oh, that's clearly someone you can kind of go, that person has a voice. You know, that yeah. person has a voice. And really just can't wait to see what she, you know, what her feature's like. You know, you're kind mm. of waiting for it. Um, Wonderful work. <coughs> yeah, but I suppose she, you know, she's making films that do create that feeling in people. So like people like me and you are kind of going, okay, like this, this short is... You know, it's so representative of her interests mm. and her style of working, and it's gripping and it's moving, and it's not tied up in a nice little bow at the a, end. Yeah, yeah. You know? but I mean, it has like it leaves you satisfied at the end. Mm-hmm. So in that in that case, I think it's like a very sophisticated short. Um, and not all you know have, have shorts have to be like that, of course. But that's you know. But keep them short, you know. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would. I know so yeah. many filmmakers, and they run into like 18, 20, 25 minutes, and it's like, yeah. lads, Jesus, it won't. Like, it's just hard. Yeah. Like, pro- yeah. we had a programming um, episode, uh, festival programming episode at the start, and they were like, you know, lads, unless it's good enough to occupy mm. two spots of yeah. two good short films, yeah, it shouldn't be that length. Yeah, you know. No, I mean, you do have to be, I think, very accomplished to like make a twenty-five minute short and for it to stand up. Yeah, or just write a TV show and it's an episode. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um. So it was the Quiet Architect? Was that your first documentary? Mm, yep, yeah, it That's was. Cool. It was <laughs> kind of something that came about um, while I was in post production on Godly Two. Yeah. Um, and I was approached by the producer. I think purely because I was an architect. I mean, right. <laughs> it's, like, it's kind of because there's nothing <laughs> in my working that would suggest I would naturally, you know, be able to make a documentary. Okay. But I think this producer was like, okay, well, you do sometimes you do need someone with like more than a passing knowledge right. of the subject matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'd studied architecture for six years, and a lot of my friends are architects. Yeah. And it was something as well that I got excited about again. Even though I walked away from architecture, mm-hmm. but. I did get excited about it and I was excited about working with Kate McCullough. Mm-hmm. You know, right. I was really excited amazing. about yeah. um like collaborating with hers and like with her and capturing, you know, some of these enormous buildings. Beautiful you know, spaces. Real challenge. Yeah. Mm. yeah, and you get to use, you know, as a filmmaker you really want to be like using different tools. Yeah. So for this, like we were able to get a helicopter, you know, you get some helicopter shots, you get some yeah. drone shots which yeah. I've never used before. Yeah. It's a different style of editing, you know, the editor Jordan Montmany, like you know, I never collaborated with a documentary editor. So you're kind of learning, okay, it becomes like a puzzle that you're piecing together and it kind of changes over time. You know, the edit was a lot longer than the feature, than your review too. Right. And documentary edits do tend to be much longer because you are, in this, in essence, like uncovering the film yeah. from the ground. You know, you're trying to see what does the film want to be, what's yeah. the most kind of economical and affecting and emotionally engaging way to, to unravel the story. Yeah. Um, and it was, I think for my parents, it was like super, like they were super pleased that I hadn't wasted my architecture degree. So on like a yeah. level of, oh, so you didn't waste all that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we didn't put you through college for like absolutely nothing. So I was very like pleased that like. <laughs> it, it definitely shows. I didn't realize, I I just assumed you like, I, I was kind of commending your research and that just from watching the film, your questions are so good and uh, all those guys seem so comfortable with you. And it, it was you. You were there. Yeah, there was an ease the to it. There was yeah. a, it flowed really well. Yeah, yeah. And it was a really nice experience and was something, you know, I'd love to do again, like I'd love to do. Um, I think this idea of, I found it very useful to be like making a documentary and a feature almost side by side. Really, yeah. it was yeah. kind of like you're editing one and shooting another and you're using two different parts of your brain. You're working with different crew. Yeah. It's just, I found it kind of very, very 
uh, stimulating. Yeah. Just creatively, yeah. you've got different problems on each project. Um, yeah. So it's again, it's something, I think in Ireland as well, we have a real culture of documentary filmmaking. It just, yeah. The documentary sector is like so strong. Sounds like cathartic that. as well, you know, kind of, when you get lost in some of the politics of actual fiction or features mm, and exactly and yeah, the yeah, real actors the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shut up you <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to be dealing with real people yeah yeah you know <laughs> uh, but also the excitement of like something that's not scripted is also very yeah. exciting yeah, yeah. Just, you don't know what this person's going to say you don't know what the end product's going to be like you know there isn't a script that wraps it all up nicely yeah. so yeah. it's going to be super exciting and um, can you tell us a little bit about what's next or what you're hoping to what kind of films you're hoping to make next um, yeah, I'm kind of working on like because the other piece of advice that this Danish director who told me to marry a millionaire <laughs> did say to me, her other piece of advice, which was actually quite useful, was always have like six, seven, or eight projects on the yeah, go. Right. So like attached to an enormous m- amount of projects. Are you going through um, Danish female filmmakers in your head now? Because I am. <laughs> I've won. I don't. I even have Go one. Did <laughs> <laughs> you say female? I didn't know. Oh, well, you did. You dropped the ball there. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, the, the challenge is really to have like lots of projects on the go yeah, and then you're hoping for one to kind of um, go into production uh, sooner rather than later so I have a few like I'm attached like to very interesting cop thriller with Fast Night Films awesome. I'm attached to like an American project which I'm doing a rewrite on which again would be interesting very, would be interesting to work outside of Ireland yeah um, and I'm attached to another working again with my producers on Your Ugly 2 um, with a film called Tiger Tiger um, which we're trying to go into production in the next 12 months um, and then I'm like yeah calling up and chatting down the phone on my agent to like yeah. get, get me some more meetings yeah, yeah. <laughs> get me some more meetings because I'd love to do an episode of TV of course yeah. would be like a big thing yeah. um, probably not with RTE they're kind of tough to get <laughs> <laughs> very, tough, yeah. very yeah. tough to get an episode on RT for some reason they'll, like, they'll buy my movies but uh, mm. will not hire me to direct TV but um, hopefully in London at some stage I, I guess I mean you guys know how like kind of fractured the industry is becoming in terms of like cinema and TV mm. are overlapping yeah, and even yeah. the Irish Film Board is no longer it's Green mm. Ireland mm. And they're going to be getting into TV so and it's like, just very uncertain in general like you know there's a bit of a bubble with huge budget drama at the moment but just nobody knows like how people are going to be watching t- television in yeah. five ten years, really. Yeah. Okay. But there seems to be more money being thrown at it. There's you know? a bit more. So hello, thank yeah. you very yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, hopefully it's not all doom and gloom, Paul. Sorry, Ooh, I don't sorry. know what's happening to the marketplace. <laughs> There's money. There. Like There's more money, yeah, and more yeah, money yeah, means more content, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I think until like the bubble bursts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know. It's just around the corner, isn't it? Um, and I'm also like meeting with actors and like people, actors have approached me after seeing Early Two, like Barry Keoghan and me, Barry's an idea for a film, so we're working on that together. Awesome. Cool. So like, I think it's great that, um, I guess I'm not just generating my own work. I'm working yeah. on, like trying to collaborate with other people as well, particularly actors actually, because they do actors do have great instincts about like what would work on screen. Mm. They also have time in between projects. So I think we're seeing like a lot of like actors becoming directors, actors becoming producers. Mm-hmm actors writing mm. um, and so that's kind of it's very exciting to be teaming up yeah, with people like cool. that as well um, is there any piece of advice that you wish you'd learned sooner apart from the Mario Millionaire one um, I probably yes yeah, I wish I told myself I think when I was 20 when I was 24 I think when I was 24 I decided like I'm going to make my first feature before I'm 30 right. and then I got like I've, I've 
I got very upset then when I didn't. I yeah. think mm. I might have been 31 or 32 when I finally got to make Jordy 2. And I wish I told myself to relax. Right. And, like, don't be saying, like, stupid, like, goals, like, right. age stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. I do think that you put, you put yourself under pressure. Um, and it's very common for filmmakers. Like, everyone would like to direct a movie, you know, like, Orson Welles in Citizen King when he was 25. And, yeah. like, Spielberg did Jaws when he was 26. And, like, you, you, I think you do have to, like, make well, your own path. Ben Wheatley was, what, 40 when he did Down Terrace? So, you know. Probably was not was he? Oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, he also set himself an age thing, an age limit. He said, when I'm 40, before I'm 40, I want to make a feature. Yeah. But there you go. Yeah. Um, great. We won't melt you anymore. We'll let you get back out and enjoy <laughs> the sunshine. So thank you so much. That was, that was really great. It's been very pleasant. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Thank Cheers. you very much. Thank you. <laughs>